There's a right way to come to God. There's a right way to be forgiven. You cannot be righteous with God if you do not follow the right way in which God has chosen. Knowing the righteousness of God and knowing our unrighteousness with God, well, nothing else matters in life until you know that you know that you are in a right standing relationship with God. (laughs) There's nothing else that matters more than that. If the creator of the universe, you are not in right standing with him, the first thing you need to find out is how to be right with him. Hey everyone, welcome to the Living with Synergy podcast. I am your host and Bible teacher, Colby Cullum. We are starting a series called Romans Galatians, Obtaining and Living in Righteousness with God. And I am excited to be going through these two books of the Bible with you. So this particular study will be a cross-reference study of the books of Romans and Galatians. They were written by Paul the Apostle, and they are fascinating books. And the reason for not just doing a study on Romans or not just doing a study on Galatians is because these books, side by side, have overall the same subject and material. Um, They're very, very similar in the, the subject and content of each book. Now, the tone in both books is quite different. The tone in Romans is a very positive tone, and the tone in Galatians is a is a very well. It's an upsetting tone, and we'll get into that. But this is primarily a Roman study, obviously, because Romans has 16 chapters and Galatians has six chapters. Galatians is more of a a mini Romans, if you will. But uh, we're going to go through Romans in chronological order, and uh, we'll go through Galatians in this scattered order, if you will, because that will allow us to read parallel passages simultaneously. And let me tell you something. When I go through a book of the Bible, I will read every verse in that book. So we are going to go over every verse in both Romans and Galatians. Now, the overarching theme of Romans and Galatians is righteousness. It's a fancy word, but boy, it's an important word righteousness, and particularly the righteousness of God and righteousness with God, okay? Romans and Galatians goes over righteousness, and particularly the righteousness of God and righteousness with God. In its simplest form, righteousness means being right. So the righteousness of God means that he is right. Whatever he says, he's right. Whatever he chooses, he's right. If we disagree with him, it doesn't matter because he's God and he's always right. And righteousness with God means being right with God or having the right with God, the right to stand with him, being in a right or correct relationship with him. Romans reveals that every person is unrighteous with God And there's this unbridgeable gap between God and man because of sin. And by nature of his being and his holiness, we are rightfully deserving and destined to receive his wrath and be judged to hell. God in his righteousness 
would be right to judge us according to our sins. And indeed, judgment must be made according to our sins. But God is gracious and merciful, and he has chosen a way for us to be forgiven of our sins and to be made righteous with him. But that's just it. There's a right way to come to God. There's a right way to be forgiven. You cannot be righteous with God if you do not follow the right way in which God has chosen. Knowing the righteousness of God and knowing our unrighteousness with God, well, nothing else matters in life until you know that you know that you are in a right standing relationship with God. (laughs) There's nothing else that matters more than that. If you are unrighteous, then the first thing you need to find out is how to be made righteous. If the creator of the universe, you are not in right standing with him, the first thing you need to find out is how to be right with him. It doesn't matter how religious you are. You can be unrighteous. It doesn't matter how blessed you are. You can be unrighteous. What good is it to gain anything of the world and of God if in the end you're not made right with him? What do you think happens to those who are not made right with God? Make no mistake. Many people fail to be righteous with God because they don't come in the way in which God has set. God is right and he tells us how to be justified how to be saved, how to be righteous. If we do it another way, we are then unrighteous, unjustified, and not saved, no matter how religious or even Christian you are. When you then are righteous with God, it affects your life. Your life is lived with a different identity, a a different focus, a different purpose, a different perspective. Being righteous produces living righteous. This is so fundamental and foundational. This is is such a truth that must be realized by every person, I believe, early on in a Christian life, is this fancy word known as righteousness. And, And more specifically, being right with God. Romans and Galatians highlight all of this. So this is what we'll learn in this study. Here's a little cliff notes, little outline of what's going to happen in this Romans Galatians uh, reading. We're going to learn about Paul, who's the writer, and his beginning and his credentials for his ministry. He's a fascinating person. He's a man of flesh and blood like us, but he had such a relationship with God that we would do well to glean from him. He's not Jesus. He is someone that we can relate to. And we can be like, you know, Paul would say in one of his letters, imitate me as I imitate Christ. It's good to have such uh, human leaders to look up to. And boy, he does prove what his credentials are. See, the Galatians, they, they started to question his apostleship and his credentials. Well, Paul sets them straight. We'll go into that. It talks about the unique relationship with God concerning the Jews who are the people of Israel. So if you don't know the, the, the Bible geographics, the Jews were the people of God. Israel, the nation that God set apart to be his people. They were known as the Jews. 
but it also talks about the Gentiles who are non-Jews. So if you really want to be simple in biblical terms, as far as what people groups exist, it's two, Jews and non-Jews. That's, that's it. Jews and Gentiles. Okay. So you and me um, who live in America, or if you're not of Israeli blood, no matter where you are at in the world, no matter what color of your skin, you are a Gentile. And uh, the books of Romans and Galatians talk about the unique relationship God had with the Jews and how he has made a way for Gentiles to have the right relationship with him. It's it, man, I'm excited to get into it. It also talks about how the Jews began with Abraham. We're going to get some awesome uh, biblical history reading the books of Romans and Galatians. And we're going to learn about Abraham and how he applies to not only the Jews, but to everyone. We're going to learn how the Jews and their relationship with God actually paved the way for Gentiles like you and me to know God. These books highlight the Jewish law and one law in particular, which was circumcision. Very interesting how that was a big deal in uh, Paul's day and time. Circumcision. We're going to talk about that. And even though that in and of itself may not be relatable to us in our day, um, definitely the principles in which uh, we're catching the Galatians off guard and even some of the Romans, we can, we can learn for ourselves. Um, these books condemn all people, Jews and Gentiles, under sin and show the need to be justified. We're going to learn how they clearly present how to be made righteous with God. And it's not by law or circumcision, but by faith alone in Christ Jesus. I'm excited to go through that. How are we made righteous with God? Well, buckle your seatbelts. Um, it, it's amazing how we're made righteous with God. Uh, we're going to learn how being justified from sin and being righteous with God gives you sonship with God. Oh, man. You know what sonship is? That means you're a child. That means you're no longer an enemy at enmity, unreconciled, unrighteous. But when you're brought to God in the right way, he then gives you a new name and gives you the uh, title of son and daughter. Amen. And then we're also going to learn all the responsibilities and duties expected of those who are free from sin and the law. Man, these books give very practical application, but man, they're, the way in which it gives application is just so significant, so important. The perspective in which you walk out the application makes all the difference in the world. We're going to go through that. These books... Uh, make no mistake, they are definitely chewy books, <laughs> okay? They are very rich and engaging, and if you're going to skim through it, you are not going to get much out of them. They are very deep books. Um, they, they, are, they are amazing, but not to mention they are absolutely crucial to understand if you don't want to go to hell and be righteous with the creator of the universe. So I encourage you to read both Romans and Galatians in their entirety, 
before going through this study? Well, you just said if I skim through it, then I'm not going to get much out of it. No, no, no. Don't skim through it. Read them. Get some context of what we're going to go over. Um, besides, uh, it's good to read and reread all the books of the Bible. So I encourage you to read them in their entirety before going through this study and get yourself familiar with the truth that we're going to go over. So with that being said, let's dive into this. By the way, I know my voice sounds a little uh, raspy. I had some serious drainage in my throat, but um, praise the Lord, I'm good enough to do a podcast. Let's first give background to who Paul is. Let's start with Romans 1.1 and Galatians 1.1. They say this, Paul, a bondservant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated to the gospel of God. It's Romans 1.1. Galatians 1.1 says, Paul, an apostle, not from men nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. So Paul is the writer of these letters to Christians in Rome and Christians in Galatia. He titled himself as a bondservant of Jesus Christ, separated to the gospel of God, and called to be an apostle, not by man or through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father. That's significant. So he, he wasn't elected to a position. He wasn't voted into a pastoral ship. He is saying my commission to preach the gospel wasn't from anyone giving me a mandate except Jesus Christ personally and God the Father. Now, that's very significant that he uses the word bondservant. First and foremost, he says, I'm a bondservant of Jesus Christ. That word bondservant means slave. It's exactly what it means. It's not an employee. It is a slave to consider oneself as the entire property of another. A slave is different than a hired servant. And this was Paul's number one identity, what he views himself to be. And that's a strong word. That, that's almost one of those words you're not really supposed to use anymore. Slave. It is a strong word. He's saying, I'm a slave of Jesus Christ. I am I am chained to Jesus Christ. I, I do what he tells me to do. It's not enough to accept Jesus as your Savior. He must be the owner and the Lord of your life. The Bible says you are no longer your own. What does it say? It's in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Do you not know that you were bought at a price? What do you mean you were bought at a price? Man, that's slave talk. You were bought as a, at a price, I'm quoting this from memory, you are no longer your own, therefore glorify God with your body, which is the temple of the Holy Spirit. You're his slave. That means that the right and ownership of your life is no longer your own. You are underneath God's ownership, God's lordship. That's what Lord means, boss, owner. And we're not just talking bosses and manager. We're talking owner. I own you. And that's the perspective that Paul had with his relationship with Jesus. And we're going to get into that in this book as well. Like when we, when we were in sin before Christ, we were slaves to sin. Jesus said in, uh, again, I'm quoting again, these aren't in my notes, but he said that uh, 
in John chapter 8, he who commits sin is a slave to sin, right? But he whom the son sets free, setting them free from that slavery is free indeed. But what you'll find is, as though you are set free from the slavery of sin, you are expected to submit in slavery to Jesus Christ. And trust me, that's the best thing that you can do. He's got your best interest in mind. He's not one of those uh, harsh slave owners, but he is one that wants your undivided attention and wants you to do everything that he asks um, to the letter. So that was Paul's number one identity. I am a bondservant. I am a slave to Jesus Christ. He is my owner, my boss, and my Lord. He's not just my savior. But he also said that I was called to be an apostle. An apostle, and, and in fact, when you hear Paul's name a lot, you, you'll hear the phrase, the apostle Paul. He truly was genuinely a, an apostle. And an apostle is a sent one, a delegate, one sent with full power of attorney to act in the place of another, the sender remaining behind to back up the one sent. In the case of Christians, it means that God sends them to do what he himself would do if he went. That's the role of an apostle, and especially one who is an apostle of the Lord. And Paul was called by Jesus to be his special delegate. It says in Acts 26, verse 17, I will deliver you from the Jewish people as well as from the Gentiles to whom I now send you. So Jesus is sending Paul to the Gentiles. And I'm sending you to the Gentiles, verse 18, to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light. That, that was his assignment. That's what a sent one does. They're sent within a power of attorney on a particular mission or assignment. Kind of reminds us of the great commission because we've been given a mission that's been delegated to us. So I'm sending you to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. It also says in Acts chapter 9, verse 15, um, when Ananias was instructed by Jesus to go lay hands on Paul after uh, he appeared to him in a supernatural way. Ananias was reluctant and fearful. But Jesus said in verse 15 of Acts chapter 9, the Lord said to him, go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. For I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. So here's the rundown with how Paul got started. Now, Paul's true birth name is Saul. I'm curious if he himself changed his name to Paul. Bible doesn't tell us why. Just it just there's one random verse, like literally in the middle of the verse. It's been saying his name was Saul all through the book of Acts. And then Saul, whose name was Paul, and then just continue the sentence. And then he's called Paul the rest of the book. It just doesn't tell us why his name was changed. But interestingly, the name Paul means little one. 
And if I was to assume Saul changed his name to Paul in humility, Paul was not proud of the many things that he had done to God and to his people. I bet he was very humbled that God would choose him of all people to be his apostle. He considered himself the least of all the apostles and even the least of all the saints since he persecuted the church of God. It says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 3, For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures, and that he was seen by Peter, then by the twelve, after that, he was seen by over 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain to the present, but some have fallen asleep. So some time has passed since all these people have seen the Lord. After that, he was seen by James, then by all the apostles. Then last of all, he was seen by me also, as by one born out of due time. For I am the least of the apostles, who am not worthy to be called an apostle, well, because I persecuted the church of God, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God, which was with me. And it says in Ephesians chapter three, verse one, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus for you Gentiles. See, bond servant, prisoner, he's chained to him. If indeed you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which was given to me for you, how that by revelation he made known to me the mystery, as I have briefly written already, by which when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known to the sons of men, as it has now been revealed by the spirit to his holy apostles and prophets, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ through the gospel, of which I became a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given to me by the effective working of his power. To me, who am less than the least of all the saints, this grace was given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, and to make all see what is the fellowship of this mystery, which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God who created all things through Jesus Christ. So you'll get an idea of why Paul thought pretty low of himself. Acts doesn't shy away from everything that, that Paul regrets that he did with his life. He's first mentioned in the Bible in Acts chapter 7 when Stephen was murdered. Um, I'm not sure if uh, all of you are familiar with that story. It's a fascinating chapter, but it's the first person who was recorded as being killed for his faith. And he gives this incredible history lesson of Israel, how they came to be a people, and how the people of Israel have rejected God throughout history. And coming up to this point, as he was making his, his uh, climax about Jesus and he was just nailing them. You stiff-necked, hard-hearted people. Who has convinced you to just reject God? You know. And when they heard it, they uh, gnashed their teeth and stoned him. So Saul was in this scene 
It's quite a fascinating scene. This is where we first hear about him. And I think that'd be a great place for us to stop there. And then the next lesson, we'll definitely go through everything that's written about Saul, who became Paul, and why he is the ideal apostle in writing this rich truth that we're going to study in the book of Romans and the book of Galatians. So until next time, may the love of God and the grace of the Lord Jesus and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Amen.